We're glad you've joined us today on the Christian Ministries Church podcast. We believe you'll hear a message that will minister to you and encourage you in your walk with Christ. Let's listen now to the message. I I love church. I love being a family. I love being a family church. I love the relationships in the church. It's sad to me for the folks that go to church occasionally and leave and don't connect with the church, connect with the body of Christ, and this become where we live. This is our our life with one another, and, and we enjoy being together. We enjoy the life that we live with each other, and I'm thrilled to see what God's doing in this church. Turn to Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. Today I want to look at this promise. I want to look at this verse. Probably nobody in here needs to turn there. You all know it. My God shall supply all your need according to his glorious riches in Christ. That's not the first time you've heard that. Uh, We got it. We've heard this. We've seen this. My God shall supply. He's going to supply all your need. Okay, how, how do we respond to that? Okay, first of all, is it true? Can we depend on it? What, what, when I read that, what is my reaction to that? Is it true? Can we depend on it? Amen, amen. We, it's true. We can depend on it. Okay, well, you have no job. You stay up all night long playing video games and you sleep all day. You hang out with your friends on social media and you never leave your room. And you're going to watch God supply all your need? Okay, well, hold on. You're not as excited about that scripture as you were just a second ago. I'm just asking when we read this, could it be you have a part? When you read, my God shall supply all your need. Well, we make our T-shirt and get our refrigerator magnet. And well, we're, woo! Okay, could it be that you have a part? The title of today's message is God's part, your part. God created everything that's here. And then he told Adam to name the animals. Adam could name the animals. Adam could not create the animals. Very clear from the very beginning in Genesis 1 and 2, we have a part and God has a part. Now I want you to write this down. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, you need to write this down. Write this down. We can't do God's part. God won't do our part. See, God created a cow. God created a cow. Now, mankind bred cows that gave a lot of milk to bulls that produced cows that gave a lot of milk. And we kept breeding cows that gave a lot of milk to bulls that produced cows that made a lot of milk. And and then man got cows that produced a lot of meat. Their calves were real meaty. and And we bred bulls that produced calves with a lot of meat. And so we have now a dairy cow and we have beef cows. But make no mistake, man didn't create the cow. Just go out here and create you a cow. Well, you'd have a hard time pulling that off. Man, God created the horse. 
man bred horses that naturally worked a cow. They they just they had a they had a cow sense about them, and they and they bred horses that had a lot of cow in them. And and then man bred some horses that picked their feet up and kind of pranced when they walk, and they bred them to other horses that picked their feet up and kind of. And so we've created a show horse, and we've created working cow breeds. Man didn't create a horse. We didn't create the horse. Now, man mixed some sand and some gravel and some minerals and some water and produced concrete. Man didn't create what it takes to make concrete. Man cut trees, put them through a sawmill, made two by fours and two by six, two by eight, made plywood. Man didn't create trees. We just developed what that tree could do for us. Write this down. Don't you write this down. We can't do God's part. God won't do your part. See, God created mankind to tend the garden. Take care of this. Now, tend it. We're to do our part tending what God created. And as a result of our tending, trees now, through crossing seed and through what we do in inbreeding the trees, we grow bigger trees faster. We, now we cross fruit. We've got bigger fruit, more delicious fruit, more juicy fruit than what was just growing out here. While See, we tended it. We tended the garden, and we no more living in a teepee. We've got houses. We've got luxurious houses. We've got smart houses where you can look at them when you're not there, and you can adjust the air and lock the doors when you're not even home. And, and we've got cars. Uh, dear Lord, I have no idea what all my truck does. I told her, I said, I wish you didn't do none of that. All that's in my way. Boy, I like that button with that air-conditioned seat. <laughs> Woo, son. I love that air-conditioned I mean, we ain't riding a horse and buggy here. You live 10 miles from here, and it took four hours to get here. See, we've been tending the garden. But the deception is that man created all this. No, we tended it. We did what God assigned us to do. And look what we did with that tree. Look what we've done with these cows. Look what we've done with that orange. Look what we've done with this fruit. We are doing our part. God has a part and mankind has a part. Now let's keep our thinking straight. We think that God is to do everything or we begin to think man does everything. Let's think about this just a minute. Because our salvation, our relationship with the Lord, because that began with all God, while you were yet a sinner, you do nothing. You were a real loser. You were a jerk. You were going to hell. While you were yet a sinner, he sent his son to, you didn't find God. He found you to seek and save the lost. You didn't do nothing. God. God sought you out, sent his son, paid a price for you. You were in a mess and God reached out to you. You and I do nothing for his love. You don't earn it. But because we started with God with nothing, because he came to us, too often we get into a mindset that everything pertaining to life in the kingdom of God 
is going to be a result of nothing on our part. We have no part in this. When in fact that couldn't be further from the truth. And you hear, I prayed and it didn't happen. You hear, I don't even believe in God. I pray, if there was a God, he wouldn't have let this happen. I'm mad at God. Look at what my, look how my life has turned out. Where were you, God? See, we get all of that because we begin with God thinking he was going to do everything. And then when something doesn't get done in our life, then we're mad at him for not coming. Are you hearing this? Well, let's just understand some things today that we've ignored. Psalms 91 is a good example. One of the most read, one of the most quoted chapters in the Bible. He is my fortress. He covers you with his wings. No terror by night. No plague by day will come to your home. Thousand fall at your side. Ten thousand uh, uh, falls right hand. I mean, he, he commands his angels charge over you. You tread on lions and cobras. Uh, he'll be with you in times of trouble. Y'all know Psalms 91. I'll deliver you. I'll honor you. I'll satisfy you with long life. Boy, we love this chapter. But no one ever asked, who is that to? Because it's not to everyone who confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart. It's not to everybody that goes to church occasionally. It's not to every Christian. That's not who any of those are to. It starts out in verse 1 very clear. Those who dwell in the shelter of the Most High. Those who rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will. And then we go into all the promises of chapter 91. I don't know, is that to you or not? Hey, a thousand fall on my side, ten thousand. Hey, it may not even be talking about you. He's my refuge. He's my fortress. He's my ever-present help in times of trouble. Well, I don't know if it is or not. He's, he's very clear in verse 1. See, before you get mad at God, before you don't believe in God, because God didn't come through, he wasn't your refuge, he wasn't your fortress, you caught this plague, you caught this disease, he didn't satisfy you. Before you get mad at God about that, the first question to ask, living the lifestyle that I am currently living, is this promise to me? Because it's only to those who are living in his presence, who are dwelling in in his shadow, who find, see, the, that's, the, okay, those are the ones that Psalms 91's to. So before you get mad at God, let's ask the question, was this promise even to me and the lifestyle that I'm currently living? Second question is, what does God desire me to do in this promise? What is my part in, God shall supply all of my need. Okay, well, what is my part in that promise? Question two is, what is my part in this promise? There are two categories of promises, and I want to make sure that you have this in your understanding. There are two categories of promises in Scripture, and we get those very confused. Number one, there is unconditional promises. Number two, there are conditional promises. All right, unconditional promise. Matthew 24, 36, as it was in the day of Noah. So it'll be. People are going to be out eating, drinking, marrying. There's going to be two men in the field. One's gone. The other stays. There's going to be two women grinding meal. One's gone. I'm just telling you he's returning. Amen. 
Believe it, don't believe it, like it, agree with it, whatever gender, whatever your background, what I, he's coming back. And oh, it's an unconditional promise. There are going to be two people out in the field. One's going to know about it, and the other one's going to be left. Are you hearing this? That is an unconditional promise. Jesus is coming back. That's unconditional. There are conditional promises. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, will pray, will seek my face, will turn from their wicked ways, then, help me out, I will hear. Then I, see, that's a conditional promise. Now, you get all fouled up whenever you confuse the conditional promises with the unconditional promises in life. Here, I want you to write this down. God has a part, and you have a part. Just write that down. Too many think that God is going to do everything while they do nothing. I can live my life exactly like my carnal nature wants me to live it. I will give in to the lust of the flesh. I will give in to the way I was born in my sin nature. I will fulfill the lust of my flesh. And then I'm going to get mad at God when he doesn't handle this, this, and this. When he doesn't come through, God has a part and you have a part. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, we are co-laborers with him. You have a part in this life and you are responsible for some things. Many people think God is in control. In the 80s, we had a catchy song, God is in control. Oh, it was a great song. We loved it. I mean, it's just heresy. But all with, oh, God is in control. Had a bumper sticker, God is in control. Had T-shirts, God is in control. I love everything about it. It's just not scriptural. Genesis chapter 1, real clear. He created male and female in his image. Created, and he said, let them reign. Let them rule over this. See, catchy tune, just not biblical. God's blessings, God's cursings, God's wrath is controlled by our actions. And God is not in control here on this earth. We are. God, where were you? Why didn't you let this? Where were? Well, because he chose to get drunk and drive 110 miles an hour. And a tree in a 110 mile an hour car don't work good. Well, God, how come you let this happen? God, why? See, God is not in control. A man can get drunk and God doesn't slap the bottle out of his hand and take the keys out of his car and say, no, you're not getting in that car. God doesn't do that. A man can go in and rob a bank. God doesn't slap the machine gun out of his hand and say, well, you're not doing it. See, a, a man can go and shoot innocent people. See, you can OD on drugs. You can OD, you can keep yourself on drugs. Get, 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 jerk. Here's the Holy Spirit come jerk the needle out of your mouth. Slap your mouth. You're not going to do that. God is in control. Don't question God when we made the wrong decisions in life and are mad at God because God, see that song's got us thinking something that's not true. God, where were you? God is asking, where were you? See, don't question God because God is questioning you. Why did you do that? Why did you let that happen? See, there are conditions on God's blessings. You have a part to this thing. The father tells his son, son, I'm going to buy you a car when you finish college. Son packs up and heads off to college. Well, he's up there about two weeks. 
And real quick, he slept through classes and hated all about it. And, you know, in two weeks, he comes home. I'm quitting. I'm quitting. I'm finished with college. Dad, I'm ready for my car. See, we think one way about our part. God thinks another way about our part. You said you were going to give me a car when I finished college, and I'm finished. And now the son is mad at the father. He didn't do what he said. You can't trust him. I don't even believe you're my real dad. I don't even know if I can believe in you. What dad told me and nothing he said has come about. See, a problem that we have, many are mad at God, questioning God, not believing God, because God said he would supply all my need. And many have their own idea about how they want God to supply their need. God's plan clearly is over the next 35 years, you at the very same job serving people, meeting the needs of people for 35 years, you have fixed people's roof, you have plumbed people's house, you have helped one elect. 35 years, you've got their broken cars back running. For 35 years, you've served people and your need has been met all through life. See, we got our own idea about how we want God to fulfill his promise. Matthew 25, if you're faithful and little, I'll make your rulers over much. God's plan is to meet your need as you are faithful. Galatians 6, 9, don't grow weary in well-doing and in due season. See, you grew weary in well-doing and just quit and threw in the towel, and I'm just going to let God meet my need. Well, no sense in praying to be rulers over much when you hadn't been faithful in a little. Or you quit right before due season. Are you getting this? In life, we've got to see God's part, and we got to see my part. We have to understand God's motivation for his promises. When you read, my God shall supply all your need. Okay, what is the motivation for that? God's not a sugar daddy just passing out $100 bills. There's a twofold reason for God meeting your need. Number one, Deuteronomy 8, 18, God wants to bless you in order to establish his covenant with you. Because I've been so blessed, because I've been so blessed, I love the Lord, I'm in covenant with God. God's a covenant is established with me because of the blessings he's poured out in my life. God wants to bless you in order to establish his covenant with you. Number two, Genesis 12, 2, God wants to bless you so that, help me out, you can be a blessing. See, God, you can't bless anybody else if you're not blessed. So God wants to bless you so you can be a blessing. How is this church funded? And all we're doing for young people, all we're doing through CMA, how is this church funded? Through people who God has blessed. He wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing. You're praying for a new car. Why? So you can look cool? So you can drive way too fast, kill yourself drunk? You want a new car so you can get a girl? You want a new car so you can build your pride so that everywhere you drive, everybody, oh, I wish I had this car. Or you want to get a new car so you can get church, so you can get to work, so you can haul people around and help other people get where they're going, so you can help the youth group travel where they See, you want a bigger house. Why do you want a bigger house? So that everybody drive by and see how rich and important you are or you want a bigger house so you can have a bible study on thursday night so you can have the youth group over on friday night so you are you hearing this what you have 
blesses others. We're just looking at Philippians 4.19 today. God will supply our need. Well, why doesn't he? I can't trust God. I don't even believe in God. Well, another question to ask is, who caused the need? God's going to supply all your need. Okay, well, who caused it? Because the Bible's real clear. God finishes what he authors. See, God will finish what he started. You, you can't do something totally out of God's will for your life. And then you get mad at God because he didn't come in here and back you up. Let me just ask. You got, Tim, I got this big need. Did you start that? Did you do that on your own? Did you get in that relationship contrary to wise counsel? Did you go out and sign a 30-year note for that much indebtedness? Now that indebtedness is burying you. You got yourself in over your head. Now you're mad that God did not supply your need. Who caused the need? We want God to fix what often God wants us to change. Let me tell you something I read one time. Uh, speakers pause for <laughs> emphasis. See, that's what great speakers, you say something, you pause for emphasis. Now watch this. We want God to fix what often God wants us to change. Wow. Wow. Here comes the pause. See how, let that marinate a little bit. You can pray all you want. For God to bring you money until you quit being lazy. See, God's, God wants to fix you with this need. Don't doubt God. Don't be mad at God when something needs to change in your life that's causing that need. We're just looking at Philippians 4.19. God will supply all your need. We'll ask ourselves, why doesn't he? Is your need that you have right now has that been caused by disobedience to his will? Or were you disobedient to his word in your life and now you have a need that you're wanting him to fix? Let me just say this. Careful about giving money on the street to someone who's holding a sign. Just be careful about that. They are in need. They are in need. And if their need gets bad enough, they'll get a job and serve people. They'll get a job and wash people's dishes. They'll get a job and cook for people. They'll get a job and fix somebody's car. They'll get a job and power wash somebody's house. See, if their need gets bad enough, then they will go and serve other people and do for other people because it's in giving you receive. That's, that's how this thing works. And they will get money. They will get money. You don't receive your needs met by doing nothing for nobody. That's not the plan here. God does not enable. God does not provide money for someone to live in sin and live disobedient to him. And the church can't foster that. The church can't en enable someone to live in sin. The church can't enable someone to live selfish, refusing to serve anybody else. And every time I drive by, I'm going to put some money in your box and enable you to continue to do nothing for anybody. See, God's plan is in giving that you receive.
And as you give, serve, whatever that is, work at this shop, work in this restaurant, help people do their taxes, whatever it is, as you help others, then your need is met. My God shall supply your need. How's that happen? By you being a blessing to other people. And the church just can't feed people, meet the needs of people who do nothing for anybody. You're enabling them to continue to live disobedient to God's word. Because 2 Thessalonians 3.10, if you don't work, you don't eat. Well, the church can't enable you to live disobedient to God's word. When I'm writing sermons there and I'm going over them, I write in my notes, this will be a time of great silence. <laughs> don't expect anybody to do anything but just stare so that's this is a, so I'm not shaken by the fact you're just staring at me right now see right Philippians 4:19 my god will supply your need well there's a plan for him to do that there is a plan there is a way that happens for you you work hard you help others achieve their goals you help others fix their roof mow their lawn build their your needs are then met Careful about giving to someone that's doing nothing for anybody else. Okay, here is a sentence that I'm going to need everybody to wake up. Those who have been asleep, I'm going to need you to pull yourself together, shake the cobwebs out of your head, and you have to put on your thinking caps. Some of you, this is going to go over your head and you ain't going to get it anyway. Some of you try to hang with me. Are you ready? If we... Fix the fix that God fixed to fix a man, then God will have to fix another fix to fix him. Okay, some of you are mediocre of intelligence. Let me, I'll say it again for you. If we fix the fix that God fixed, to fix this guy, then God has to fix another fix to fix him. Some of you won't ever get it. Ask your mate at home. God uses our fix, our need, to bring us in line and in obedient to his will, plan, and purpose for our life. Is this fix that you're in right now designed to fix you? Now, let's see our fix, see the change we need to make, repent, and ask God to forgive me, and now begin to live obedient to his word and watch that need be met in your life. Are you getting this? Is the fix that you're in designed by God to fix you? That This will fix you. A lady came up to me after church some time ago and when I finish I'll walk down front so anybody wants to come and visit with me can the lady came up to me and she said had the sad look on her face can the church help me with my electric bill and my rent first time in our church came walk right up as soon as it was over can the church help me with my electric bill and my rent I said absolutely the church ain't going to help you. We're going to pay all your electric bill. We're going to pay all your rent. 
we're going to buy you a month's worth of groceries. You know, that little that beggar look. I mean, it just instant. I said, absolutely, absolutely we can. I'll do that first thing in the morning. Be at my office at 8 o'clock. And I want to talk about what your plan is for the church never to have to do that again. And if you don't have a plan, then I'm going to help you. Because I know a lot of people. I will get you a job before noon tomorrow. I will get you working. I'll get you employed. I'll get you serving. If you don't have a plan not to, because see, I'm not going to pay your electric bill this month because then I'm going to have to pay it next month. So no sense in us paying your electric bill this month, but I will pay your electric bill and give you groceries. I'm going to take care of you. We're going to get you on your feet. And then we'll see what we need to change so that this will never happen to you again. See you at 8 in the morning. You're not going to believe this. She never showed up. I showed her, absolutely. We're not only going to help you. We're going to pay the whole thing. We're going to give you more. I'm, we're going to sell you. You be in my office at 8 o'clock. Never showed up. See, we want God to meet our need, but we're not going to make any changes in our life. I want to talk about how you can do for me, God, but I'm not going to... Are you hearing this? No change in the way I'm living. God, you said you would supply. Well, write this down. God has a part, and you have a part. I want you to know, God is after change in your life. God is after growth in your life. God is after maturity. We are being molded into his image. And each year, each week, each day we live, we are becoming more and more like him, less and less like our old carnal nature. Some of your friends from back 20 years ago don't even recognize you and the way you live now because we are being changed from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory and the life situations produce that change in us. We're just asking, is your health issues right now a result of your eating habits and your lack of exercise? Is your marital problems that you're praying, God, I need a miracle in my marriage. I need a miracle in my marriage. Is your marital problems a result of your mouth, a result of your irresponsibility? You're praying for God to whatever in your marriage, and God is wanting you to become kind, gentle, good, meek. See, it's called the fruits of the Spirit, and he's working those into your life. You mean your temper's out of control, you're vindictive, you're difficult for anybody to live with, and you want God to fix your wife. Well, God, why aren't you moving in my marriage? And God wants to know, why aren't you changing? Are you hearing this? And walking more in the fruits of the Spirit. See, we're all interested in God's part. We're just not very interested in our part. We're just looking at Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply all of your needs. Well, why doesn't he? Well, why isn't he? Well, Malachi chapter 3, 8, 9, and 10, very clear. You're robbing God. And he said, how are you robbing? You're robbing me with the tithes and your offerings. And because of that, you are under a curse. 
Well, there's no sense in being mad at God because God's not meeting your needs when you are living a lifestyle that is under a curse. Are you getting this? You, you, is, I, well, I don't have time to teach on tithe and offering here, but just the tithe, you, you can't tithe 1%. The word tithe means 10%. That's what that word means. So, you, and you don't give a tithe. You can't give a tithe. That's owed. So we tithe. Well, that's what is we're owed. And we tithe to our local, the church that we are a member of, that we are serving in, that we're connected with. This is where I'm being fed. This is where I'm raising my family. I pay my tithes here. Now, I give offerings Terry and I give an offering. We personally send money to Honduras. We just came up here and we put an off. I, I, my tithe don't go here. We put an offering in this basket, but you can know next Sunday when we get back at our church in Hot Springs, there will be two checks from Tim and Terry. And whether I'm there or whether I'm not, don't make it whether I'm in town or not, in town, I am going to pay my tithe every week and then I'm going to give an offering because I'm not going to put myself in a position where God can't meet my need. He's as clear as he can be in this. You're robbing me. So, uh, God, I just see we got to. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it, folks. No, there's not enough money out. Well, Tim, you don't know how much I'm making. That'd be a pretty good Look here. I'm not going to rob God. I just happen to need his blessings. And I'm not going to live a lifestyle that is putting me in a position to be under a curse. I want to keep myself under his blessings. We're just looking at Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply all your needs. Well, why isn't he? Well, some other scriptures. Genesis 8.22, as long as the earth remains... There will be seed time and harvest. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this. A farmer who plants a few seeds will have a small crop. One who plants generous seeds will get a generous crop. Proverbs 24. The lazy man that will not plow, he will beg during harvest and have nothing. Why doesn't God meet my need? You're not plowing. Catch a hold of that plow. God, God, God don't meet my needs. You're not plowing. See, we, we, we just write this down. We need to see God's part, and we need to see our part. Yes, God's going to meet my need. Well, are you plowing? long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest. Yes, see, there's no reason for you to turn away from God and doubt God's existence and question the validity of Scripture when you have not gotten God's part and your part straight in your mind. Well, Tim, why is this not being taught? Why is this not being taught in Christianity today? You can write a book and title it, Experience God's Blessings. Or you can write a book and title it, Consequences of Not Tithing. <laughs> See which one sells. I mean, it's just real clear. See, we all want to hear God's part. There's not many interested in buying a book on my part. It's the way it is. We want large crowd in this church. We want a 20,000 seat church full, five services on Sunday morning. 
well, don't preach the consequences and the punishment of disobedience to God's word. Stay away from that. Preach God loves you. God gets you. That's what I like. God gets you. (laughs) Preach that. We'll fill her up, boys. Here's what you got to know. God will never, ever. God has never. He never, ever has blessed disobedience. You have a part in this. And to live blessed by God, I have to tell you that. I have to tell you that. Now, this is not going to have 20,000 people rushing here. This is not going to be the bestseller of books. But I got to tell you. See, preachers can't continue. Preachers just can't continue to want me more than they want to tell me the truth. We're going to have to get away from this. And folks have to be told the truth. And if you love people, we just love people. No, you don't. You love numbers and big offerings, and you love being the hot dog in the Christian community. But if you loved people, you would tell them that right there is under a curse. The way you're living brings the wrath of God. If you loved people, you would tell them what's killing them. That will kill you. That will destroy you. You have no hope of ever a life of peace. You, you've got to be the gender God created you to be. And if you don't get in line with that, you will never have any peace. And you will never have any joy. And that's from a preacher who loves people. I don't care a thing about you. All I want is your money. God gets you. You're good to go. God loves you. That's someone who all they want. Are... Yeah. Wow. 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 1 Samuel 15, 22. God loves our sacrifice of praise. God loves our praise. God loves our praise. God loves our praise. He inhabits the praise of his people. But 1 Samuel, very clear, God had rather have your obedience than your praise. Here's what you need to know. You can't out-praise and dance the consequences of disobedience and a life in sin. Now, I'm glad you come in here, and I'm glad we're praising, and I'm glad we're raising our hands and dancing, but don't think you're going to outdance the consequences of sin in your life. Saul was offering sacrifice. God was clear, I want your obedience. I want your obedience. 1 Corinthians 10, you can't drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You can't be one way in church and one way at home. That's not going to be a blessed life. I'd love to tell you that God accepts you however you want to live. But we're not celebrating diversity. We're not flying a rainbow flag, and we're not having a month honoring sin because I want you to know that'll destroy your life. That'll destroy your life. And there's nothing to celebrate about watching people's lives spiral out of control And there is no, we celebrate diversity, not here. We celebrate your life lived obedient to his will. 
and living exactly like he created you. I got to tell you what God said. God said he will bless faithfulness, giving, serving, and obedience. And he said he will curse sin. May not be a popular sermon, but it's the truth. And it will put you in a position to be blessed and in peace with God where you are enjoying your life. I want God's people blessed. I want God's people having all their need met. And because of that, I'm not trying to relate to the world. I'm not trying to connect with the world. I'm not trying to understand where they're coming from. As a church, I'm lifting up the brass serpent in the wilderness. And all those who will gaze on him will be healed. We're not raising a rainbow flag. We're raising a brass serpent. And saying, if you look this way, you'll be healed of all your diseases. We're teaching this way is cursed and this way is blessed. I'm not celebrating. I'm not accepting. I'm not tolerating. We're not having a month of celebrating a way that looses the wrath of God in people's lives. Turn from sin and be set free. This isn't a bad message. This is a great message. Turn from sin and watch God put peace in your heart that you can't believe. Turn from your wicked way and you can't believe how great your marriage is, your home is, your family is. Life just works when you're living obedient to God. See, what I want you to know is God has a part and you have a part. The church is not going to sit back relating to people, understanding their lust, tolerating and understanding their sexual carnal sin nature drives and allow our children to be invited to a family friendly event and have perversion being sung to them and introduce them to a life that will destroy theirs not here not here now this church is not mean we're not vindictive we're not trying to get anybody fired We love people, and that will destroy your life with no chance of peace. This church loves you, and as a church, we love so much. We're not mad. We're not bitter. We're not vindictive. We're not full of hate. This church loves so much that we're willing to tell you there's a thief that will kill, steal, and destroy, and we're helping watch out for that. I want to go back to the story I opened with. Dad told his son, I'm going to buy you a car when you finish college. Short time, the son hates college and quits. Dad, I'm finished with college and I want my new car. Careful about blaming God. Careful about you being mad at God. Careful about rejecting your belief in God. Careful about questioning God as to why he didn't do this, that, or the other. Always begin with questioning yourself. God, what changes do I need to make? I'm in a situation. God, what out of this do I need to learn? What out of this do I need to change? What out of this do I need to mature in? Show me, God, where I went wrong. Show me what I need to learn. Before you start questioning God, why did you do this? Ask yourself, why did you do what you did? Here's what you need to know today. God has a part, and you have a part. Always know God's got his part. 
The question is, do you have yours? Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church, where it's more than a church, it's family.